watch out. Yeah, talking about way out there. Beheim! Wow, does that silence it a little bit? Schrader takes. It's a two-man rush. Schrader steps Don't up. Fit. Pop pass up the middle. Tucker's got, got it. Room to run. 15-10. Hit and in. Bradley touchdown. The Bills make me wanna shout. Allen looks to his left. Fires left side. In go to the end zone. Stephon Diggs makes the catch. Touchdown, Buffalo. Swing in the miss. It is over. The Boston Red Sox. Baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. This is On the Block. Yeah, I was driving home yesterday, so I heard some of your show. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. Thanks, Brent. Two, one. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio 97.7 ESPN Radio Heard 96.5 FM Heard wherever you are Wherever you are doing on the ESPN app Seen, heard And everything in between On the mighty Q sportstalk.com A magical place On the internet just full of magic. I, I was watching uh, literal magic today on the internet. I fell in it. Don't ask me why, but I fell into a David Copperfield wormhole. Remember David Copperfield? I loved David Copperfield back in the day. I saw David Copperfield at the Landmark Theater, and I loved it. I wasn't a huge magic guy, but uh, I, I don't know. I just loved that dude. I remember sitting down watching those specials on CBS with my mom. And I got into this whole thing, and I, I now know how he made the Statue of Liberty disappear. That's now a thing that I know. I didn't know until today, and then I went down the wormhole, and, and they explained it, and I was like, wow, literal magic on the Internet. Uh, you can also see some magic on the Internet right now. See, This is what happens when you give Uncle Brent 20 minutes of extra time before we come on the radio, and I'm just waiting to come on here following Syracuse women's basketball, which we will certainly discuss on the show today. Look, Google Grogu right now, and you'll have yourself 10 minutes of fun entertainment right there. So two things right off the bat from Uncle Brent. Now you want to know how David Copperfield made the Statue of Liberty disappear. That little trickster, they rotated the, the crowd without them even knowing. Right. So you think that's magic. How about a man talking on the radio that you can see? Ha! Beat that Copperfield. Let's go. Let's make it statues of liberty disappear. I'm bringing sports talk to the people on QSportsTalk.com. 437-7644 to join the show. Brent Axe Media on Twitter and the live chat that is humming along at QSportsTalk.com. We're going to hear from Joe Girard today. We'll run that for you about 5.05. Will this be Joe's last game at the JMA Wireless Dome on Saturday? See, it's senior day, but it's a senior day where everybody has eligibility. We're in that weird world where, yes, Joe Girard is a senior, but he's got a COVID year. Yes, 
John Bullajock is a senior, but he's got eligibility left. Simeon Torrance, Jesse Edwards, all in the same boat. The many subplots of Saturday, as we will uh, discuss uh, through the afternoon, but we'll discuss with Joe uh, coming up here, our last weekly chat with Joe Girard, presented by RomanoCars.com. We really enjoyed hanging out with Joe during the season, and we will certainly uh, enjoy talking with him today. You'll hear that uh, later on this afternoon. As mentioned, Syracuse women's basketball just lost here, as you heard on ESPN Syracuse. So we'll recap that, get into that, some hot takes. Uh, a coach in the ACC did coach his last home game last night. Perhaps we'll see another one do so coming up in a couple of days. The blind side, and we do have Crunch Weekly coming your way tonight. So the subplot of will Uncle Brent hit the heart out? Time for Lucas Favale to drop some crunch knowledge on us at 6 o'clock tonight. Stay tuned. Jim Beheim show tonight, 7 o'clock. Carabas, TK99, the exclusive chat on QSportsTalk.com at 8.30. So we got a busy night ahead of us, friends. A uh, couple of uh, notes right off the top here. Yeah, we are coming off the heels of Syracuse women's basketball. Syracuse had a tough go of it today. 83-58, the final score. At the ACC tournament, uh, Deja Fair had a tough day for the Orange. She had 11 points but shot 4 of 17. Uh, Dariana Lewis got in there with 11 points. Tisha Hyman had 15 points. Uh, it was good to see Georgia Woolley back out there, but NC State shot a season high 60% from the field. Syracuse counter shooting 32%. They only hit three three-pointers in this game, three of 20. NC State. Uh, not exactly raining it from three, but they were four of 11, a little more efficient there. They had four players in double figures. And now the question is out there, will Syracuse make the tournament? I don't think so. I'm not an expert on the world of women's college basketball, nor would I pretend to be, but Charlie Cream, ESPN's noted bracketologist, has been pretty consistent in saying that Syracuse would have to win this game to ensure itself a bid into the tournament. It's going to be dicey. Selection Sunday, ESPN's probably going to have a camera on Syracuse just for the tension of are they in, are they out. The ACC was the best league this year. It's, I don't know. I don't know is the answer. I think I would feel a lot better about this if, in fact, Syracuse won this game today. Here is uh, that conversation with Charlie Cream uh, the other day with uh, uh, the great Brian Higgins on just what Syracuse needed to do. Are they in or are they out? A loss wouldn't necessarily eliminate Syracuse, but obviously you want to keep playing. So a win also doesn't necessarily mean they're automatically going to get in based on everything I just said. Mm -hmm. Because all all those things could flip and go wrong and Oregon could make, you know, upset be Washington in the Pac-12 and then upset Stanford and then Oregon's in a whole different light. Uh, same with West Virginia. They make a run in the Big 12 tournament. And actually, West Virginia still has two more regular season games left to work with, too. So a win doesn't automatically get them in, but it really, really helps because not only is it, hey, we get to play another day, but if this is a top 25 net win, as much trouble as NC State has had in the league and the fact that NC State's also playing in the 8-9 game, the Wolfpack still register as a top 25 net ranking win. That's it right there. That would have been a great net ranking win for Syracuse. And now the it's maybe. 
So the Syracuse women's basketball team will be playing the role of the maybe, should be, cross your fingers, rub your rabbit's tail, sacrifice a live chicken, do everything you have to do to get the karma going for the orange, right? My answer is I don't think so, but they still might be. How about that? So uh, we'll wait on bated breath until Selection Sunday for the Syracuse women's basketball orange as they had a, a tough go of it today against NC State in the ACC tournament. One way or the other, what a turnaround for this team to go from 11-18 and 18 to 18-11 and 11 going into this game, now 18-12 and 12 on the season, five more ACC wins, a couple of close games that could have gone their way. Uh, just a much better feel about this team, a much better team itself. Uh, Coach Jack here talking about how excited she is for the tomorrows of this team. This is at the uh, post-game press conference shortly following Syracuse's loss to NC State. I'm excited about our tomorrows because uh, every time we had a situation like this, we became a better uh, coach, staff, team, and like I always say to these young people, never, ever lose your words because of the heart, hurt in your heart. Losing isn't a part of who we are. We win and we learn. We learned a lot tonight. Believe that. But we're not defined by losing because there's nothing to lose. They don't have losers on this team. You notice what we did? We are winners. We learned a horrible lesson on, on, on not being able to score in defense. But guess what? Give an opportunity to play again. I just don't want to be the team that's going to play us next. There you go, Coach Jack, uh, right after the game. And uh, I think that's an apt description. If the Orange do get in, that'll be a team you won't want to play. So now there's questions about, okay, and I'm not a fan of the NIT in either sport, but it makes more sense for the women's team to play in the NIT than it does the men's team to play in the NIT. And I don't even think the men's team is going to play in the NIT, quite frankly. But – that makes a ton of sense for that team, the women's team, if the NIT is their fate. And what Coach Jack just said applies. That's not a team you want to play. So, unfortunately, they lost today, but I think Coach Jack with a great message there and uh, one heck of a season, one heck of a turnaround, and uh, the stock arrow is up for Syracuse women's basketball under Coach Jack and company. The big question now, of course, becomes will uh, Deja Fair come back for another season or not, which we won't know until they're done playing, if that's NCAA tournament, NIT, whatever the case may be. You know, we told Deja Monday, we did the show at Wegmans, and Deja was to my left and Coach Jack was to my right, and we had a nice crowd there, and I said, you know, Deja, we'll support you one way or the other, no matter what you choose to do, but let's just say I'm speaking on behalf of everybody when I say we'd love to have you back next year. A little smile curled on her face. So uh, whatever she does, uh, she'll be great at, and she'll kick ass and we'll support her. And she'd be a great uh, pickup for the WNBA, but maybe not till next year. Cause if she comes back next year, Oh mama, there we go. But uh, excuse me, but today's loss. Uh, yeah. NC state shot 60% rebounded. Uh, what were the numbers there? They out rebounded Syracuse. 41-23, to 23. yeah, that's going to do it. And speaking of teams you don't want to play, NC State's going to get in at like a 6 or a 7 line, and that's going to be uh, a team. You know, I don't fill out the women's bracket usually, but if I do, uh, I'm picking NC State to maybe win a game or two in that thing. So there you have it, friends, and you heard it right here, the great Tim Leonard on the call from lovely Greensboro. Well, speaking of Greensboro, when the Syracuse men's basketball team plays, 
in Greensboro next week on the line Saturday. One of many subplots going into this game. I, I feel like the closer we get to it, the more interesting this game becomes for a myriad of reasons, and the actual game might be like third or fourth on the list. First of all, you have to at least acknowledge the possibility that this could be Jim Beheim's last home game. Now, I'm not betting money on that, but I feel like for the first time it could be the case where I have not had that feeling at all in, in recent years. Even last year, some people felt like, oh, he'll go out with his sons and it's losing year and time to get out. It's like, no, I not once felt like that was a possibility a year ago for a myriad of reasons. Knowing what the recruiting class was coming in, I just didn't think Jim would go out that way. And I never had that feeling. It never made sense to me. So certainly in the years previous to that, some people felt like, ah, sweet 16, walk out on top. I'm like, no, that's just not how Jim works. I have the feeling now that this could be it. Acknowledging that it, it's a possibility. Now, here's where I'll disagree with anybody that says this, and I've had people reach out to me and suggest that Jim should announce in some way, shape, or form before Saturday, on Saturday, at his press conference Saturday, that this is it. I don't think he, A, would ever do that when there's basketball left to be played, and B, nor do I think he should. Saturday is not about him, though it could be subconsciously. Saturday's about the 2003 team. It's about Jerry McNamara. It's about Hakeem Warwick. Now, here's the thing. In the postgame press conference, all that is over. And if he wanted to step to that podium and say, listen, um, no matter when we're out, that's it for me. He had every right to do that. But I don't think Jim would do that. Like, Jim, is he's in game mode until there are no more games to play. So I don't think we have to worry about that anyway. But anybody that would suggest, like, Take advantage of the circumstance. You've got a crowd there that's honoring the past anyway. They're in that mind frame to honor this team, Jerry McNamara and Hakeem Warwick, plus the the air quotes seniors because senior day is, I don't know, we got to think of a different title for it because everybody that's being honored as a senior could be back, and then there's all the players that we don't know whether they'll be back or not based on transfer portal, NBA draft opportunities, and things of that nature, right? There is a feeling in the air to say goodbye to people just in case. But I don't think that makes sense. I don't, And Jim would never do that. Jim would never overshadow anything, senior day, those players included. So I don't agree with that. For those that have suggested that, I kind of get where your head's at. I just don't think that would be appropriate to do. And when Jim does retire, look, he's going to get his due. He won't get it from, I don't even know what the crowd's going to be Saturday, I would assume probably mid-20s. People acknowledging him with one last wave on the court, I think people will do it anyway Saturday. They will find appropriate moments to do it Saturday just in case because that's the theme of the day Saturday. Just in case, Joe. If this is your last game, salute to you. Just in case, Jesse, if this is your last game in the Dome, salute to you, and so on and so forth. So I feel like if you do it in a wink, wink, nudge, nudge kind of way, at least you felt like I was there, I saw it, I acknowledged it. But I don't think Jim and at all should nor would he acknowledge that and take away from everything else that's happening on that day. It does not change the fact that it is a subplot heading into that day. The 2003 juxtaposition of 
the peak of the Bayheim era versus the low point of the Bayheim era is on the table there. Now, look, Jim Bayheim's gone through many things that you would consider low points personally and professionally. Two NCAA investigations, the Bernie Fine situation, personally went through cancer during the season, remember, and had to sit out. He was originally going to set out more games than he did. He returned early, I believe, after just a few games. But that happened during the season. You know, the situation a couple of years back when he tragically struck and, and ultimately killed somebody on 690 with bad weather and, and everything that happened in that situation and, and that uh, tragic car accident that he got into. Like, this man's gone through a lot in 47 years. So to say low point, what I mean is basketball. This is the low point of the Bayheim tenure basketball-wise. Now, yeah, there's been consecutive years where they went to the NIT or things of that nature, but losing season last year, and depending on how this thing plays out this year, if they lose to Wake Forest and, God forbid, lose in the first round of the ACC tournament, if it is Tuesday in Greensboro, you're 16-16, and 16, and that's back-to-back years where you're below 500 and then 500. That is the clear low point basketball-wise. So that is on the table. And just how they play, how they finish, I don't care if they win or lose on Saturday, frankly. The how is what matters to me. How they play, what their effort is, do they give the fans a little bit of a send-off in the sense of, look, we really hit the skids here at the end of the year, but you walk away from the last home game saying they fought their ass off. They gave it everything they had. They bottled the emotion of the day and turned it into a performance where you're like, eh, they might have lost to Wake Forest, but at least they played. Because you couldn't say that about Georgia Tech. Duke, Clemson, Pitt, it just you were overmatched. Wake Forest is the perfect in-between between Duke, Pitt, Clemson, who were clearly better than Syracuse. Georgia Tech was obviously terrible, playing better at this time of the year, but a team that should not come in and truck you by 20. There is a little in-between there with Wake Forest that it would still be significant if you beat them. You'd go out on a high note in terms of the regular season. I don't care about wins and losses, though, at this point. I care about the how. How did you play that team? Because no one wants to see a team get beat by 15 or 20 with another team dropping 16, 17, 18 three-pointers on you, and you just look lost out there. In the last game of the year, on you know March the 4th, no one wants to see that. So it's the how to me that's important. And all the subplots that are there, the game is almost you know third or fourth on the list. You want to maintain your Wednesday status in Greensboro, right? You don't want to play on that first day. That, that first day and those double-digit seats, it's just sad. It's just a sad thing to see. And you don't want to be there if you certainly don't want to lose on that day, though. If they go into that, and that's the scenario, it, again, the will of this team will be tested. Can you get yourself motivated to go into a Greensboro Tuesday situation at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon and, and will yourself to victory just to save face a little bit? So that's what's on the line here, friends. There's a lot of subplots going into Saturday, uh, to say the least. We will discuss it as we go through the afternoon of 437-7644. Brent Dax Media on Twitter and uh, the chat up and running for you to comment in at QSportsTalk.com. We'll talk to Joe Girard, top of the hour, and what he's thinking. 
heading into senior day and more as we go through the afternoon. Hot takes on the way here, but let's uh, see if the market was hot or not today on this uh, Thursday, March the 2nd. Our friend Mike from Lee Baldwin & Company to tell us about that. Mike, thanks for coming on a little later than usual. How you doing, bud? Good. Thanks, Brent. And the market was a little hot. It was down most of the day, but we had a nice late afternoon reversal and led by the Dow, closed up 341 points, just over 1%. And the big leader there was our Diamond, which is Salesforce. It's a company that reported earnings last night, software, very strong earnings, and it closed up $19 to $187 a share. So a great day for Salesforce. We did have a dog. We're going to go with Tesla. Tesla's been off to a great start this year. It's been up a lot since January 1st. But they had a little bit of a disappointing investor day last night, and the stock closed down $12 today to $191 a share. So overall, pretty good day. Nice afternoon finish in the market, Brent. Excellent, sir. Thank you, as always. That's our friend Mike from Lee Baldwin and Company. Go see Mike and Bill. And Lee himself and the great crew at Lee Baldwin and Company to ensure you have all the diamonds and none of the dogs on your portfolio, LeeBaldwin.com, for more. There was a coach that coached his last game at home in the ACC last night. We will get into that, plus one of the hottest athletes on the planet that you probably don't know about, and you should. Hot takes are next. Stay right there. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse Sports Talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. That's a little better. I'm kind of in the mood for the 80s bump today. It's a little better. We're getting there. We're improving. Welcome back, or welcome aboard. However that describes you... We're just getting going here. We came on a little late today because Syracuse women's basketball unfortunately lost to NC State. So their NCAA tournament chances are now officially on um, cross your fingers, rub your rabbit's foot, uh, do anything else uh, that you do, uh, all the routines to bring you luck kind of situation, uh, considering uh, they are squarely on the bubble. There were many that felt they had to beat NC State today to get in. I was one of those people. I could be dead wrong. I hope I'm wrong because I'd love to see this team get in the tournament. The NIT, I think, would actually benefit the women's team. I don't feel that way about the men's team for people who are like, oh, you know, it's, it's great for a young team to develop. I think the expectations and, and the level at which the programs are at are a hell of a lot different. I think it actually would benefit the women's team if they got a postseason to play. And they're still hungry. They're still there. They're right on the cusp of something, as uh, Coach Jack said after the game. I'm excited about our tomorrows because uh, every time we had a situation like this, we became a better uh, coach, staff, team. And like I always say to these young people, never, ever lose your words because of the heart, hurt in your heart. Losing isn't a part of who we are. We win and we learn. We learned a lot tonight. Believe that. But we're not defined by losing because there's nothing to lose. We don't have losers on this team. You notice what we did? We are winners. We learned a horrible lesson on, on, on not being able to score in defense. But guess what? Give an opportunity to play again. I just don't want to be the team that's going to play us next. Coach Jack, uh, right after Syracuse's loss to NC State earlier today. So moving on to some recruiting, uh, added bonus for our friends on QSportsTalk.com. I'm sure Mike could add to this. As we go, our friend Mike McAllister, just hanging in the chat. This is what happens when you go on the, the chat at QSportsTalk.com. You never know who's going to come by. 
But there's a couple interesting uh, basketball recruiting notes out there. I know there's a lot of focus on Saturday and how they will recover against Wake Forest, the steps towards honoring the 2003 team, and all those guys will start arriving into town tonight and tomorrow. And it's going to be great. It's going to be a great day, and it's going to be great to see Jerry and and Akeem Warwick celebrated. And, you know, there's the kind of the looming subplot kind of, it's going to be Bayheim's last home game, like, I think it's a valid thought to have. It's not something I'm going to bet on, but it very well could be. So all that's on the table. We'll get back to that conversation. But there's a couple interesting recruiting things out there. One is this. Marcus Adams has narrowed it down to three, and Syracuse is one of them. Syracuse, UCLA, and Kansas are his top three. Speaking of Mike, he's told us about Adams. He is a prospect whose profile is just booming here. Currently the number 29 overall prospect in the class of 2024, top 11 small forward. That's up from 61 overall, right? So UCLA's in on him. I've heard UCLA's air quote playing dirty with him. They're being aggressive with him. You don't want this to be a Lenora Sellers situation from football, but you're in the top three. UCLA, Kansas, Syracuse. Always good to be in that top three for people that criticize recruiting one way or the other, like you got to be on these lists. What I've always said about recruiting, and not that this doesn't take away from some other valid criticisms of Bayheim or the coaching staff or the current state of things, but my b- biggest concern with recruiting is that when you're not on these lists, when you go whatever time frame you want to put on it, and you don't hear Syracuse being on a list for a prospect like this, now you got a problem. That's when you got a problem. Not that there's not some issues with recruiting we can, you know, kind of work through here. But he's on that list. Now, there is an option for him to reclassify into the class of 2023. Syracuse has an immediate need at forward, obviously. So will that give them an edge for Marcus Adams? 6'8 forward, great player, would be a, a, a great addition to the class of 2023, and not just because they only have one player in the class of 2023 at this point. William Patterson, the 7-2 prospect that they, uh, and I say prospect, I, I meant to say project. He's a project player. He's that typical, let's bring in the 7-2 guy, hope he works out in the zone type of thing, not really a, 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 what I would call an impact recruit, air quotes. Marcus Adams would be, especially with his profile raising here. Now there's always the question of, are you committing to Syracuse or are you committing to Bayheim? There was a interesting story, so I'll switch to the other one here, that reminded me of the relationships that have to be built here, whether Bayheim coaches or not. Elijah Moore, remember, was the player that was sitting courtside with, um, as Uncle Brent attempts to stay current with the times, a boogie with the hoodie. Yeah, and a fabulous Remember the recruit back on 20, uh, January 24th, Adam Weitzman flies him in, sits him courtside, right? It's the whole deal. We're talking about just NIL in your face. And he commits a few days later. Now, I thought it was interesting. Mike Waters did an a, a interview with his dad who said, and let me pull up the for you here. Uh, here it is, quote, Eli had told Syracuse that he was committed. We had already told Griff we were coming. As Mike writes, in fact, Elijah Moore had already told Syracuse assistant Alan Griffin that he would play for the Orange before 
the Ballyhoo trip on Weitzman's jet, according to Elijah Moore's father. His name is Ty Moore. They waited until Saturday the 28th to make the announcement because they wanted to do it in front of an audience. of There is, um, as Mike writes here, there's about 200 kids as part of something called the WizKids AAU program based in the Bronx, and his dad said, and I'm quoting again here, we had a commitment day. We wanted to have an impact on these kids and make it exciting for them. We wanted them to see someone that they see all the time and show them what you can accomplish if you make the effort in class, put in the work, and do things the right way, and we made it exciting by not telling anybody. So there you go. Now, let me just say this. Being flown in on a private jet, hanging with a boogie with the hoodie, and fabulous, that can't hurt, right? It's just kind of a nice cherry on top of the Sunday. They did tell Griffin that they were going to commit, but commits change their mind all the time. He still can, by the way, until he signs the dotted line. That's still a verbal commitment, right? So, yeah, maybe that's not the reason you signed, but I'm sure it didn't hurt either. I'm not trying to dispute what his father said here, but, uh, you know, then why'd they have to do all that? <laughs> it was that just Adam taking it upon himself to do it. Just, it might be. It, it absolutely might be. But I just think recruiting is fascinating these days. I think it's fascinating these days just based on name, image, and likeness, how quickly rosters turn over, what coaches are telling players and the commitment they have. I mean, there's a desperate need for forward on this team next year. Does that give them an advantage for a player like Adams to reclassify? That would be an impact right on the court type of player. That would be a huge score for Syracuse, regardless of if Jim Beheim's coaching or not. Griff maintains the relationship with Elijah Moore. That helps get that commitment there. So that's the future. Uh, and Griff's name doesn't come up as a future head coach, and he shouldn't. He's not ready for that position. That's either a, a Jerry or a Red thing if they stay in-house. But recruiting never stops. The process never stops. If Jim retires in the offseason, sure, that makes an impact. It certainly would make a recruit think twice about coming to Syracuse, but it's not like they don't know it's a possibility. Now, they're very good about not saying anything, as Mike McAllister was saying in, in our chat at QSportsTalk.com right now, would tell you, you know, these guys do a pretty good job of keeping that tight lip, but it's got to come up in the conversation, right? Coach, am I going to play for you? And Jim has said that on these airwaves. He said that other places. He's honest with them. There was a time when he'd be like, yes, I will coach you. The class that came in this year, all the freshmen that started this year for Syracuse, Judah Mintz, Justin Taylor, Malik Brown, Chris Bell and company, Jim said, I would coach you, and he wanted to hold that commitment. The class of 2023 only has one commitment right now and now maybe two. So you're not breaking a lot of promises if that's your concern. If that's, I don't even think that's a, a factor in decision-making to come back next year. It's much more focused on the portal than it is recruiting. You recruit six guys and you say you're going to coach them. I completely understand why you'd want to coach them. But we're not in that situation now. Let's break. We'll return. You're on the block. ESPN Radio, QSportsTalk.com. 